looks like learning how to actively wait on God for things. I'm convinced that God wants to give us a harvest. But how we wait is very important, but is also our choice. And this idea of learning how to actively wait is something that I've had to learn uh, through a multitude of lessons throughout my life. And I was just reflecting and I was re- reminded, I was remembering of a, of a time just about a decade ago where I had a very real encounter with the importance of learning how to wait. And it had to do with um, one of the first times I went out surfing. Um, I was, uh, I was, you know, trying to connect with a student in our youth ministry, and this student ha- uh, was, was quiet and uh, reserved, and so anytime I tried to have a conversation with him, it was kind of um, just like falling flat on my face every single time, and I remember just kind of feeling like, man, there's something, I wish I could connect with this student in some way, and so I started figuring out what he was into, what kind of hobbies he liked, and one of the hobbies he, he loved to, to engage with was surfing, and so I thought, you know what? I've, I've never really thought about surfing myself, but every time I think of it, I think of the cool images and videos of people catching waves and just how cool it looks. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to figure out how to connect with him and go surfing with him. He also knew how to skateboard, but uh, that just looked too dangerous. So I thought, you know what, surfing is definitely a safer bet. And so I went up to him and I said, hey, listen, um, I want to learn how to surf. I want to figure this out. And I thought, maybe you could teach me. Would you be up to that? And in his usual manner, it was kind of a one-word answer. Sure. And so I thought, okay, cool, we're off to a good start. And, uh, and so I asked him, you know what, so let's set this up. And we set this up, and I let him know I don't have a surfboard. I don't have a wetsuit or anything, but uh, he did, his family did. They, they kind of were a family of surfers, and so they let me borrow a wetsuit, let me borrow a surfboard. And I remember making our way onto the beach and uh, a very a silent walk. Uh, and as we were making our way to the beach, I realized I... I I really don't know what I'm doing here. Um, this is going to be interesting. And as we get to the shore, I, 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 I'm sitting there, and I, uh, I was expecting some sort of preparatory class, right? This is what you do. Uh, when you get out there, you want to you wanna do this. And when the wave comes, this is how you catch it. And, and I was kind of just sitting there anticipating this, this lesson from this student of how to surf. And uh, what, what the lesson turned out to be was, I'll see you out there. And he just got on his board and paddled his way out and very efficiently got past the break. And I thought, okay, uh, I, I, I'm going to figure this out on my own, I guess. And so I jumped into the water, got on the board, and just started paddling as best as I could. And, and the water was just freezing cold. The wetsuit, I thought, meant keeps you warm. Uh, no, it, though I, I thought the water doesn't seep through the wetsuit. I don't know why I thought that, but the water rushed into me. And it just felt so much colder than my morning shower. And I thought, this is not, not turning out well. And it hit my face, and it just kind of, kind of froze me and stiffened me up. And the white water just kept coming. And the break kept coming, but I kept paddling, made my way, and just kind of suffered through it and got past the break, which is where, where, the, where the wave doesn't crash anymore. And so I got past there, and as I got out there, I was just kind of uh, making loud, anxious, you know, noises of maybe some subtle anger there. And I was just sitting there, and I realized I looked around me, and what everyone else was doing was just waiting. And they were just looking into the horizon. And I thought, this isn't what I imagined. <laughs> I imagined waves coming and me getting up and just having the time of my life, you know, with waves just kind of crossing over me and feeling the surge and this excitement. I, I did not expect to just sit here. And I'm definitely not going to just sit here. 
And so I thought in my angst and in my excitement to catch my first wave, I decided to go for whatever looked like a wave. <laughs> if there was a ripple, I started paddling. If there was something that looked like it was cresting, I, I went for it. And I remember just as I was doing this, seeing people just kind of look at me and smile. <laughs> and they would all look at each other and smile. No one would say a thing. And I thought, well, no one's really, you know, it looks like they want to catch the waves themselves. But I thought, you know what, okay, I'm just going to go for it. And, and when our first real wave came, I, I went for it. And I got on my board and I started paddling. It kind of looked like I was just going crazy, you know, just like. <laughs> and I just did my best, and I wasn't going anywhere. And I just started kicking at that point, started kind of doing whatever I could to get some energy. And the wave did pick me up a little bit, and I started getting excited. I even let out a little, ah, right? <laughs> and it carried me a little bit, but nothing happened. And it just pushed me far enough where I had to turn around, go past the break once again. And as I started paddling back out past the break, I saw more waves coming and people riding them and smiling, looking at me <laughs> down from above. And I, I just remember thinking, gosh, that, that's what I want to do. And I got out there and I finally passed, got past the break and no one was out. It's just kind of the majority of the people were gone. And then I sit there and I realize there is something approaching me that looks like a building. It's... <laughs> this enormous wave starts climbing, and I realize I, there's, I don't know how to catch this thing, so I figured the best thing I could do is just go with it. And so I turn my back to the wave, and I sit there, and I just brace myself. <laughs> and the wave indeed picks me up, and it pulls me, and it was almost like it just pulled me up, almost like the elevating feeling when you get on the tip of a roller coaster ride. And I felt this kind of anxiety come over me, and it's just like this timeout happened where I could see the current and the power of the water surging upwards, and I'm on the very tip of it, and then almost as if with a bit of anger, it just, it just crashed me down. I mean, it just forcefully pushed me underwater, and I remember just sitting there and getting tossed and turned and starting to drink water and starting to panic underwater, and it just kept going. It's just like, it was like it was beating me up and punishing me. And I was just thinking, man, I just wanted to ride this thing. You know, I just want to have a good time. And I finally made my way out and breathed and gasped and looked around and all disoriented. I realized I was at the shore again, and so I thought, I guess... I guess this is what surfing is like. I guess I just caught my first wave, and um, I thought I might as well do this again. And so I did a couple more times and kept having the same experience. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a punishing, punishing lesson. I, I learned this, that uh, over time I learned something about surfing, that among other things, surfing is about learning how to wait. And I realize that if, if, if I don't know how to wait, I, I will suffer. I will suffer. And I thought about this, and, and I, I, I know I'm oversimplifying things. But over time, I, I got accustomed to the process of waiting for waves. And I came to recognize something of a pattern, not always just something of a pattern that would happen, especially where we would go. That usually when there was a, uh, waves would come in sets, according to the swell, and the first, if it was a clean day, and on the first day, it, it, on the first wave, the first wave was usually a wave that most people passed up on because it wasn't worth catching. It wasn't something that had the full power of what we're looking for. And right there in the middle, 
are waves that would come that are catchable, that have what we're looking for. And if we know how to time things well and know how to enter them well, we can have a good time. And then usually, not always, but usually the final wave is what they would call the closeout wave because it just closes everything out. It just goes up and then like a garage door just slams down on itself. And so what I did that first day was in my angst, in my anticipation, in my restlessness, I would go for the first one, the useless one. Then I would paddle and through the useful ones, miss all of them, and come back and be punished by the final one. (laughs) And this happened over and over again until I realized I got to learn to wait. Got to learn to wait. And I think I share this. I share this because I think some of us, if you could hear me, this, this, is, this is our lesson. The lesson of our time in our culture, in this, in this season of our uh, human history, is that we need to learn how to wait. We, we're so used to fast-paced, immediate connection and communication. I mean, I just think about it. I was reminded of the AT&T commercial advertising 4G. And how 3G was so 45 seconds ago. <laughs> it's crazy. And I think about the many times that uh, they made, they, now they instituted a law, it's not a new one, that we cannot text while driving. Because I feel the, the desire on a stoplight when I'm waiting in traffic. Is something overcomes my arm and it just wants to go to that phone because somebody must have texted me. If not, I can text somebody or tweet somebody or maybe check Facebook because somebody just said something funny and I want to like it right away. <laughs> There's something that happens where we just constantly want to occupy the times we have to wait. Waiting is so uncomfortable for us. And, you know, there are, there are things I was thinking about this that we are currently waiting for. And some of us might be waiting for some things with hopeful anticipation. We may be looking forward to perhaps a new position, a, a job, and we, ha- we have just stepped into it, and we're excited to get our, hit the f- ground running and get used to it and get into it. And we're excited for what's coming. And we know that now we're in a new season and we're, we see it happening. We see the evidence all around us. Or maybe it could be something that could be compared to what a, a, an expectant couple would be like. That what is coming, it, it cannot be measured in terms of its joy. And what is awaiting us is something we long for and look forward to with hopeful anticipation. And then there might be some of us. That for us, waiting doesn't connote with hopeful anticipation. It actually has something to do with really hard things. There might be some of us who are waiting for a relationship we do not have. Maybe some of us are looking forward to the day when we have breakthrough where we are able to not just say we're working on things, but we have pushed past things. And our day-to-day struggles are a thing of the past, not a thing of our present. And yet we're in that moment, in that season, in that gap of needing to wait through the process. And some of us 
here might be having to walk through the incredible pressure we're put under right now, in which we are carrying substantial weight, more than we had anticipated. And the responsibilities laid on us and the tasks demanded of us and the attention to detail that is required of us is something that we long for some sort of relief, and yet we may not see it right away. In these areas... Waiting is important, but not just, not just waiting. It really is a matter of how we choose to engage in this season. And this is what I love about the scriptures. I, I love that God is so well aware of this reality in life that he doesn't ignore, nor does he expect us to just push past this, nor does he turn a silent ear to it. In fact, if we were to search his word, we would see countless examples of people like you and I who have had to go through seasons of life of waiting, and yet God has been active in their season. And the passage we're going to be looking at has something to do with what God may want from us, what he may want to do, what, even how he is actively engaged in the, our season of waiting. And it's found in, if you open up your handout, it's found in Mark 4. And it's a small parable. It's a small parable only found in the Gospel of Mark. And it's sandwiched between two other parables. The first parable, if we were to read through uh, the fourth chapter of Mark, the first parable is something we, many of us may be familiar with. It's the parable of the four soils. It's about the farmer who scatters the seed and some seed uh, falls by the wayside, doesn't touch any soil. Some seed falls on rocky soil. Some seed falls on thorny soil and then some seed falls on good soil. It talks about the conditions in which growth takes place and how that affects things. And then we, we come to the second parable, which we're going to be touching on. And then after this parable, there's another parable having to do with growth. And it really is about the significant power God can have with something that looks as small as a mustard seed. He relates the kingdom to saying, you know what, even though it might be very small and seemingly insignificant, when connected to God's life-giving power, it bursts through and becomes a blessing for many more than we might realize. And and so each of them have an angle on growth and on kingdom dynamics and on how God would interact with us. But we're going to be looking at this middle par parable. And it also has to do with kind of more of an agricultural feeling. But we're going to go ahead and pick up in verse 26. And this is what he has to say. He says, Jesus also said that the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. So just to set the table, he says, listen, we're, we're talking about an analogy. We're, we're being introduced to a farmer. And his role, his task is, is agricultural in nature. He knows how to prepare, take care, and nourish the ground. And after his work and his preparation, he has gone to a point of scattering the seed, of, of in many ways releasing and investing what he had. And so with this in mind, he says, listen, after he invests what he has, in verse 27, we're told that it says, night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. And he, he describes in many ways that uh, everyone, he's describing something that everyone who listens to him would readily have access to. He's comparing what God does in our midst to something they would immediately recognize. It would make sense to them. That's true. 
The farmer in many ways is limited. He is dependent on nature. He, once he releases and he does everything he needs to do, we know that the seed sprouts and grows, but the farmer doesn't understand how. In many ways, it happens. It bursts through, and, and we're told that this, this moves into more of a process of growth. And he continues to build on this analogy, and he says, look, the earth produces the crops on its own. Nature is active, and the farmer is dependent on what nature is doing. And this is the process of growth. He says, listen, there's, first, we know this, he would say. We understand this. We have seen this happen. Season in and season out. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed. And finally, the grain ripens. There is a process. There is something we can see. There is a noticeable, dynamic, step-by-step movement that happens when we engage with God. It doesn't just come. Something happens in which we first take notice after the incubation period beneath the ground. Breakthrough starts to come, but that in itself is not the end. It continues to develop, and there is a maturing process. This maturing process is evident to everyone around. And when it comes to a point of completion, after this time of waiting, Jesus leads us and he says, listen, and as soon as the grain is ready, we're, we're reintroduced to the farmer. The farmer comes and he harvests it with a sickle. For the harvest time has come. And so Jesus chose in this parable to put an emphasis, an accent, not on what the farmer was doing, but on what was occurring between his actions. Once he invested, there was a lag time. When he acted and moved, there was something of a waiting period. And in that waiting period, God was moving. If you could hear this, outside forces of his own were causing growth to happen. And in that waiting period, maturing was happening. And if the farmer was able to wait till the full process to take place, then he would have a harvest to reap. And this obviously is touching on the major laws of of agricultural and the laws of harvest. And Jesus is talking about something that would have broad implications for how we would interact with God. Really, he was talking about kingdom dynamics that would have many ways for us to think about. And maybe even the way he was describing it to the original listeners may not be exactly how we're going to approach it. And we're going to go ahead and in our remaining moments, I'm hoping that we're able to take what he made accessible to them which, by the way, he was speaking to an agricultural, rural setting. Maybe since we're in an urban setting, we may not be too accustomed to this. We may have a better time understanding the process of of construction and the work that goes into laying a foundation beneath the ground where no one really will see. And what it looks like to prop up a frame of a house or a building and then to complete the house before somebody else can live in it and take joy in the finished product. But Jesus chose to use a rural agricultural analogy. And through this, I'm hoping that we're able to glean some important things for our context, for our setting, for our season of life today. And I think that this parable points to a couple principles we can pull from. And I've put these, un- these thoughts under a heading called active waiting looks like this. And this parable, among other things, it shows us that active waiting, it looks like being proactive in the waiting. 
It looks like being proactive in the waiting. In other words, it's not passive. It's not dejected, resigned to the circumstance. It's not going to bear it with gritting teeth. In many ways, it's sitting on the edge of its seat. For us, proactive active waiting may look like something of a hope-filled expectation. It might look like an assurance reminding ourselves that even though, even though we are needing to wait, and we may not see movement, we need to be ready for when movement appears. Because God is certainly on the move. It's a faith-filled waiting. It is one that provides us with the opportunity to exercise the attitude of hope and confidence. To exercise the attitude of trusting in God. And knowing that we are waiting, yes, but we are proactively engaged in this. Because some of us are waiting for breakthrough in certain areas of our lives. And we're waiting for habits to be broken and new habits to be built. We're waiting for certain things to be established and what we are currently walking through to be a thing of the past. But in this waiting, we must remain sharp. Being able to say, you know what, God? I will wait with prayerful anticipation. I will wait leaning on you. Not resigned to this but in many ways open to what you're doing. Active waiting looks like pro, being proactive in the waiting, but it also, looks like, it also looks like learning to leave some things with God. It, and I have to say, this, here, here, this is where it gets hard. This is where it touches close to home. Because in many ways, some of us are needing to walk through a season of life where our prayer has been sent, but an answer is not being given. And we need to leave it to God. And maybe some of us are currently walking through very hard, painful situations. And we need to be able and willing to leave it to God in which we have invested ourselves. We have signed up. We have engaged. We have decided to commit ourselves to what God is doing. And we expected a response. We expected a certain result, and it's not coming. And it's almost as if it's so easy. The temptation is to say, you know what? I've tried, and you're not answering, and you're not delivering, and I'm waiting, and I don't know what's going on. But there's silence on your end. And it's frustrating me. And some of us, if you could hear this, some of us, we, our temptation, our temptation in this waiting is to come in and say, you know what, I've tried, I, I, I have tried to give it up. I've tried to, to trust you. I've tried to surrender this. And you're not answering on my timetable. So you know what, you won't give it. So I'm going to go get it. And I'm going to act on my own. And you're asking me to wait just a little too long. And if you could hear this, that what we're not told is that though the farmer did not know how the seed grew, what he didn't do is he didn't go back to the seed, look at it, see nothing above the surface. 
He didn't in his anxiousness. He didn't in his restlessness. He didn't in his frustration decide to dig up what he invested. He didn't do that. He didn't decide to quit on the waiting. He didn't decide to come in and say, you know what? I can't figure it out, so I'm going to try. What's going on here? Because when, even though he was not totally in on why certain things were happening and why certain things were not happening, he understood the simple law of nature. That growth will happen if we wait. And many times for us, in our haste, in our frustration, the temptation is to behave in a way that will ultimately land us on the shore, if you could hear this, of regret and remorse. For us, some of us need to trust that God is doing something where we cannot see. And we need to trust that though we may not see the results of our labor yet, we need to leave it to him, surrender it to him. And learning to leave it with him is sometimes a second-by-second action. A minute-by-minute, a morning-by-morning. Morning and night, the farmer watched. May the Lord strengthen our ability to wait and leave things with him. Maybe some wounds need to be once again left with him. Maybe some habits once again need to be left with him. Maybe some hopeful things that we desire and we long for, that in many ways we're, at the, we're just holding on to not give up. We need to trust in him. We need to wait on him. And if we do this, if we endure in this season of waiting, the beautiful thing about this parable, and not just this parable, but the reality of how God interacts with us is that active waiting means it looks like reaping a harvest in due time. It looks like being able to take joy in what's to come because it will come. It looks like being able to see a profit from our labor. It looks like being able for us in many ways. The beautiful thing is that God decides how big the harvest is. It might be 30, 60, or 100 fold. We don't know, but we know this. It will be bigger than what we invested. That when we give ourselves to God, he, in many ways, if we learn how to wait, is more than happy to reward a harvest. And I just think of those of us, even right now, as, as we are sharing here together, we have a, 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 an extension of our community. In Lake Merced, laboring, in many ways, giving of their time and their energy, sacrificing of themselves, scattering seed, seeking for a harvest, and the harvest is going to come. And we're going to be able to, with joy, reap the benefits of saying, you know what, God is on the move. And he's moving in our city. And we're engaged with what he's doing. And so we're going to put it down. We're going to step in. We're going to step up. We're going to involve ourselves as best as we can. And though, though it may tarry, it will come. It will come. Some of us, our word for us is we need to visualize that harvest. We need to imagine what it would look like for us to have breakthrough. 
to not, no longer have to struggle through this, but to realize we have, in many ways, gotten past it. What would it look like for our hard work to pay off? And our word is in the waiting. We must remember that our labor is never, ever in vain. And I just, I love what Paul said to the Galatians in 6, 9. He reminded them of something that's extremely important. He says, listen, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if what? If we don't give up. May we not grow weary. May we not get tired or in our restlessness. May we not pull the plug. May we stay engaged. May we endure. May we remain. Many times, it is so much easier to experience the highs of life with God and celebrate or to be in a place of maybe brokenness and receive his comfort than it is to remain steady, focused, vigilant, patient in the day-to-day. And in this restlessness, you know, I was thinking about this, and in a little bit, the ushers are going to come forward and receive our time of giving, and the band's going to come up and share in this closing song called Restless. This song is about the very real, real feeling that grows upon us in the waiting. It's about being restless. But if we were to hear it, Restlessness, in many ways, is our opportunity to seek God in the restless place. In the restless place, we are able to draw near to him, and it's supposed to bring us to this place of actively waiting on him. And I just wait, I just, I just love a stanza just a second from the, from, the, from the bottom. It says, into the sea of glass we meet at last, completed and complete. That is our longing. The tide of tear and pain subside. Laughter drinks them dry. Until then, I'll be waiting, anticipating. May that be true for us. Until then, may we wait, anticipate in our restless feeling. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that... uh, I thank you for the reminder that though we may not see your activity, you are certainly active. And I thank you, God, that in many ways, a season to wait on you is an invitation to make room for you to grow things and for you to mature things into a full harvest. And so I pray, God, for those of us who need an encouragement, need Hope to fill us once again. Need the reminder of your faithfulness in the silent waiting places. I pray that you would help us in our restless, in our anticipation to look to you. And in our waiting, I pray, God, that you would carry out your good and perfect will in our lives. Give us the strength, God. Give us the ability to endure, to patiently wait on you, that we may reap the reward you promised to all of us to do. I pray for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.